Do you guys remember your childhood? It was such a sweet time for most people. I'm convinced the further away we move from it, the more we miss it. We miss the liberties and the good experiences. Way up in Waltham, Massachusetts, about two decades ago, Ivy started running and it was a memory she'll never forget. My parents put me in like every sport possible when I was growing up and I was never really coordinated in anything. Like I played baseball for a good while there and I just like literally would let the ball hit me so that I could run around the bases and like I would get cheered on for being fast and running around. So like I really knew that I enjoyed that um, feeling of, of running fast and having other people cheer me on. And so another sport my parents put me in was um, in Waltham where I grew up in Massachusetts, there was a Waltham track club. And so at eight years old, my parents put me in there. And at eight, you're like just trying to stay in your lane. <laughs> it's really not about like winning or like everyone gets a medal. It's, and I just like really loved it out of all the sports I did. It again, made me feel good. Um, I knew I was like pretty good at it. And I just kind of kept going with it. So in the summer when other friends were kind of hanging out, I was training and getting ready for junior Olympics and getting ready for all different competitions throughout the summer and then uh, continued on through middle school and, and high school and, and college. And that was like my, my bread and butter was running track. What a gift it is to find something you're good at at such a young age. It makes answering the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Tons easier. Ivy was passionate about running and extremely good at it. It only made sense for her to keep doing it. I always knew that I wanted to continue on running. I mean, I had a goal of becoming a professional athlete, I'm going to the Olympics. And so I knew college athletics was like that next step um, in reaching that goal. But part of it, you know, obviously was funding. <laughs> it always helps to have some um, scholarship money. But I think I just enjoyed the sport so much. I enjoyed um, like the teammates that I had in high school. And I wanted to continue on having that community in college as well. I ran track at University of New Haven in Connecticut. And I really had like this one particular goal that I wanted to to run and my coach um, who recruited me, I, I really wanted to go to my school because of this coach and what he had done with other student athletes that I've kind of looked at before. And so that was a really big draw for me too, of like kind of wanting to continue on into college. I mostly ran the 400, but also would sometimes run the 200 and then did a lot of relays. So the 4x400, the 4x200, sprint medley relays, things like that. But 400 was my main event. You know, no matter how much you train, it just always felt like your body was just burning and on fire. My coach used to always say that he couldn't coach us past 350 meters. So that last 50 meters was just like all of your heart. A lot of Olympic athletes will say that last part is like the pray piece. Like you just got to pray to God that you can make it through. So it's definitely a love-hate relationship. Like you love it when you do well, but you hate the feeling that it gives to you. So I was good at it. And that's, I was a strength sprinter instead of a, like a fast sprinter. And in, in terms of like being really good at the two or the 100, 400 was my real like sweet spot. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the point in running track is to run like super fast, just for those that aren't familiar with the sport. That's how you win, to have the best time in a race. And the older you get, the more steep the competition becomes. Sometimes you need more than just physical training to be able to do your best. Such a toll physically and, and mentally. Um, and I think being a collegiate athlete, whatever level you're at, there's just so much pressure to meet certain standards. And I think that pressure is there at meets and it's there at practice as well. Because there's so many practices that if you're not running well, you're going to do it again. And you're going to do it again and again until you meet that time, which 
really seems impossible because the more that you're running, the more tired that you get, the less likely it's going to be that you hit that time. And so you feel like this, like a huge amount of pressure to perform and to succeed. And for me, I did really well at practice. Like I was always hitting all of the times, like my coach knew he could depend on me to set the pace for the other girls who might've been struggling. I often got put with the boys because you know, I needed that extra push. So I would do amazing at practices that pressure didn't really bog me down that much at practices, but it was the meets at that mental toll and that pressure and that expectations really, really messed with my mental state. And I, I did not perform well when I got to the meets, um, but definitely there's a lot of pressure to perform and it can be really debilitating. So when you're telling yourself that you can't do it, your body responds in that way. I mean, obviously we have physical limits, right? So there's things we might tell ourselves we can't like physically do, but during the entire race, I would be negative with myself. The worst is when you get passed because somebody, you know, might be more mentally uh, strong in that moment, or they're just faster, right? That just happens, uh, especially in the 400. It's, it's just a tough race. And so when you get passed, right, you start getting into this even deeper kind of dark space of like, okay, well, it's over now. I've already lost this race. And so then again, your body is like hearing that it's, it's, it's feeling that and it's shutting down. And so even though you're still moving, like you're not moving as fast as you probably could be because your mind is in this really tough space. So, um, yeah, I was definitely, unfortunately negative with myself throughout the entire race. When you're at practice, the number that you run isn't really, it's not attached to anything. Like your coach is writing it down on a piece of paper to kind of track your progress. And you can like equate that number to what you might run in the meet. But when you get to a meet, there's a number that's attached to your name. It goes on the internet. It's on the scoreboard. Everyone can see it. And then it's also associated with the place that you finish, you know, the, the race in. And so, as I mentioned, I had this particular goal that I had for myself. And it was really based off of a girl who had just graduated, who had been this really great athlete, five-time national champion, woman of the year. And so my coach told me, you know, you are here to replace her name was Shannon Gagne. And so for me, that that was like, okay, I have to meet these standards. And my entire life, I had a perfectionist mindset. And so for me, like this number that he told me to run 54 seconds in the 400, like I said to myself, if I don't run that time, that means I'm not perfect. That means I'm a failure. Mm. And so from day one of my collegiate career, like that expectation is put on me. I know that this number is now attached to me, right? My self-worth went into it and my mind was just in a really negative space. I had anxiety for so long and had never really dealt with it and never had the tools for it. So when I got to the meet, despite doing so well at practice and, and hitting all of those times, I told myself that I wasn't good enough and that I couldn't reach that goal. And that I wasn't even worthy of reaching that goal. And so I had these negative thoughts going through my head and then I wouldn't perform well. Then you look up at that scoreboard and you see that you ran nowhere close to what you wanted. And then it just becomes this kind of negative, vicious cycle. And so you get back into the blocks the next weekend and you're thinking back to how terribly you did before. And so then you're like, well, if I couldn't do it last weekend, it doesn't matter what I did during the week at practice or the last six months at practice. Like, I can't do this because I didn't do it before. And so I think that number, like, I think it's great to have goals, but I think when you attach your self-worth to that particular goal, that's when things don't go well, because when you don't perform into that standard, you feel terribly about yourself. And so that was really the, the negative vicious cycle that 
I created for myself. And unfortunately, you know, I never reached that goal, um, which was a huge other part of my struggle. The physiological effects of negative self-talk. That's just a fancy term for what Ivy was describing. While she raced individually at meets, her body didn't perform well because it was listening to her mind. Whenever the negative self-talk wasn't present, she did much better at practices and at meets. The times that I was more positive with myself was in relay races. So, you know, I ran that 54 seconds over and over and over and over in a relay. But for me, again, it goes back to your name is attached to a number. In a relay, your name is attached to a number that's everyone. So it's three minutes and blah, blah, blah. So my split of 54 seconds helped us to get to that point. But to me, it was like, I, I still didn't run that goal on my own. But like when you're with teammates, what often happens in track is like, you are now feeling like other people are dependent on you. Whereas like track, it's so individual. And so now with a relay, other people are depending on you to get around that track as fast as you can so that you can get the baton off and you can win that race. So the mindset shift for me there was so different. And I was like this different person running the relay um, compared to how I was a couple hours before running my own personal 400. It was like completely different person would run so good, but then still couldn't do it for myself. It was like this disconnect. And I wouldn't say that I was positive with myself during the four by four. I just like needed my, I think I just needed that external validation so much. And so with my teammates there and us to like have a good race, I think that that's where it stems from. It's like, okay, these people are depending on me. If I run well, they'll be proud of me. We'll win this race. We'll break a school record. And you know, that's, that's what happened. Like every time we ran, I look back at my experience and no, I didn't run 54 seconds, but I ran 55 seconds. And like, that's still amazing. And I still, you know, was all American and I was woman of the year for my conference. So I met that same standard of Shannon Gagne. And then I surpassed it by becoming woman of the year for the NCAA um, top 30 finalists. So like I had all these really great accomplishments, but again, that self-worth piece, when you put it into a goal, you can forget about all of those other things that you did that were really powerful and, and great, but it just sometimes feels really meaningless. Although she didn't reach her goal of 54 seconds in the 400, she still achieved greatness in her collegiate career. The negative self-talk made it difficult for her to enjoy, but nonetheless, she was great. Ivy's mental state really needed some attention, but who was there to catch it? My teammates often talked negatively about mental health. I believe that stigma around mental health. I didn't think that I was someone who was struggling. Um, I knew that I, I was frustrated with how I was performing, but I didn't ever recognize like the weight of the anxiety on me and how it had built up so many years. Uh, so I, I definitely always really believed that stigma. And that was a huge issue for me to not reach out and get that help. And my teammates talking negatively about it didn't help at all. I think if there was a culture that my coaches had set or my teammates had set, you know, I look back now and see so many of my teammates now who I know were struggling with something similar, but we just never, we just never talked about it. So when I was in college, it's, we weren't there yet. The conversations weren't happening. Even if we had just like known about the counseling center, had someone come and talk to us, um, had other student athletes on my team talking about the fact that they go to the counseling center or that they also struggle. I think that would have broken a lot of barriers for me. We always focused on like, oh, Ivy isn't performing well at a meet. Like let's, you know, train harder or let's, you know, focus on form more so that she can be better physically rather than like, 
what are you telling yourself in the blocks and how can we shift your negative mindset to a positive one? Let's practice some affirmations together. Let's try to talk about it, right? Like that was never the conversation that I, I really wish we did have. Yeah, I mean, I think there's even just a space for a coach to create that conversation. Like we would check in with my coach every single week. And so having that space for check-ins around mental health, I think are really critical. And I think also just having a check-in to say like, Hey, like let's make some goals, but like, let's make some goals outside of athletics and outside of school. And let's figure out other activities that you like, and let's find out ways you can get involved in the community. And let's, you know, what else, what else makes you, you, right? Like having those conversations and I think it's really important for a coach to set that stage and to communicate that it's okay to not be okay. Like when you talk about what you're going through, that's not a sign of weakness. You're not going to lose your spot on the team. We're not going to kick you off. Um, and that you're more than an athlete. And I, I think coaches need, need to recognize, and I think they often do just the impact that they have on student athletes. I think when, when a coach can communicate those things, those messages around mental health and wellness and self-worth and identity, that that makes a huge difference. And Interestingly enough, one of my assistant coaches, um, she she was the head women's coach, but she didn't coach the sprints. So I had my uh, my head coach as a sprints coach, but she you know spoke to me years later and said that she had actually recognized some of these things. So she recognized that um, I was struggling. So I had a lot of issues around disordered eating. So a lot of that self worth piece um, and perfectionism went into like what I was eating, how much I weighed, and again, no fault of my coaches, but they often like told us to get on the scale and see what we're weighing in at. So that also became like this mindset of I have to set this other, I have to meet this other number, right? Not just on the track, but on the scale. So she recognized that I was losing a lot of weight. Um, but the thing with track is that when you're losing weight, it's often equated that you're performing better. So like you're celebrated for that. Um, and then she also noticed like I was in this really just emotionally abusive relationship and that was also playing a toll on my mental health, but she just never knew the right things to say or, or felt like it wasn't her place. So I think about how, if she had stepped in and said something like, you know, how that could have changed things for me. Struggling with mental health can look a few different ways. First, someone has to recognize it and then have the courage to say and do something about it. Athletic departments are now doing a much better job of taking care of their athletes in this way. Unfortunately, Ivy never made it to the Olympics. Her last collegiate race was her senior year at MIT. And then she was faced with the next transition in life. The hardest piece for me in that transition was really just losing who I was because from eight to the end of college, that's the only thing I knew about myself. And, you know, as I mentioned, I had that external val like the need for external validation. And that's really what I got it from. People always validated me and cheered me on and celebrated me for being, you know, this, this fast person. People saw me as this perfect person that had it all together. And so me leaving college and not meeting that goal and really losing my identity was a huge, huge, huge struggle for me. And I definitely struggled in college a lot with anxiety, but I think it was the after college piece that I really started struggling the most because you just have this piece of you and it's like all that you know. And then one day it's just, it's not there anymore. And of course you can try to keep competing, um, but it just looks different. It feels different. You don't have the same teammates anymore. And so I really tried, I tried to like, you know, go to the track on my own or go for runs. I live near the beach and go for runs on my own and just trying to still be that athlete. But there was always just a huge piece missing. And I just had this overarching negative feeling of me being a failure and was really in a depressive state um, and, and began struggling with 
thoughts of just not wanting to be on this earth anymore. Just after so long of, of struggling in silence, I think the, the toughest part was really just losing who I was um, and having to redefine who Ivy was and to see that I, you know, I was more than an athlete and I always was, but I don't think that that's, it's not talked about enough. We always talked about like the next step in terms of career and how, what you're learning as an athlete will prepare you in, in a career, which it definitely does. But we never talked about what is it going to be like when you don't have the sport anymore? And like, should we take some time to like help you to figure out your identity? Like probably, <laughs> but we never had that conversation because it was always just so focused on the goal of meeting this time, going to nationals, winning nationals. It was never about like life after athletics. And it's a real transition that I know so many athletes struggle with and, and don't know what to do and feel just so empty. Since leaving college, Ivy has worked with a therapist to address her mental health stuff and is now in a much better place because of it. She learned more about who she is and has tapped into more of her identity. I have so many different identities and there's so many different things that I love to do. I think for me, the biggest thing is to recognize that, you know, I am a speaker. I am a writer. I am. And I mean, I'm a form of an athlete. I still work out, but I'm not like a competitive athlete by any means. Um, but like those are just small pieces of me that make me me, but they're not all of me. And so I also know that I'm a daughter and I'm a friend and I'm a wife and I'm a kind person and like all of these different things that um, make me who I am. And so trying to not get attached to any one of those, but knowing that the identities might change over time, the, the wants and the goals might change over time, but um, just try, staying true to, to who I am in that moment and loving myself has been huge in this journey because it's full of ups and downs. It's full of anxiety sometimes, um, but that's okay. And I've, I've really come to accept and learn that. And I think that's been the biggest thing for me and my recovery. After getting help, I wanted to start helping other people and to know that they aren't alone and that it's not shameful to get help. Really all the thoughts that I had trying to really change the thoughts that others might be having too, um, especially in the athletic world. So um, I now speak about my struggle. So I speak to student athletes and coaches and parents and administrators. Um, I also speak to general student body. Um, my, my message and my story really is just about the pressure and the expectations that we experience from all different sources, right? I'm not an athlete anymore, but I still experience that uh, pressure and expectation. So really just emphasizing that it's okay to struggle and that there are tools and resources that you can use to, to help you through your struggle. So um, I'm a mental health empowerment speaker. So my goal is to really empower people to take that next step for themselves, really whatever that looks like. If that means more self-care, going to get professional help, talking to a friend, um, really that next step for your mental wellness. So I've been doing that now for about three years and it's been awesome to, you know, it wasn't awesome to struggle, but it, it's awesome that I was able to turn. I always say I turn my pain into my passion. And, um, you know, I used to hate public speaking. It was like a huge fear of mine. But um, turning, I always say that my my fear speaks my my passion speaks louder than my fear, um, and that really allows me to to keep pushing. So yeah, so I'm speaking. Um, I blog about mental health and self love. Um, my speaking is Ivy Watts speaks, and I just recently started a um, mental health platform specifically for student athletes called Athlete Minds Matter, which is really aimed to help them to create their their mental wellness toolkit. So. There's journal prompts on there that they can have on their personal private journal. There's a support forum to connect with other student athletes. There's lots of different resources and interactive activities and stories from other athletes. So 
just a really great space to have all of their resources in, in one particular online platform. I absolutely love what Ivy is doing, taking a very difficult time in her life and using it to uplift and empower people that are experiencing similar things. I know people say that there's purpose in pain, and while you're experiencing the pain, it's extremely difficult to believe there's also purpose in this. But once you've taken some time out of it and you've reflected on it, I hope that all your pain can have purpose. I'm Ayo Kindumila, and this was Clear Minds, Full Hearts.